0: You know those stories that you hear about entrepreneurs who start a business with their back up against the wall and they start with zero education about entrepreneurship, don't know anything about what it is that they're doing and then turn around and create a million dollar empire? Yeah, that's exactly what my guest today has done. (laughs) Welcome to the road to seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an investor, a wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to 7 is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs. We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along the road to your vision. And I am honoured you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. My name is Sheila Cummins and I am your host today of The Road to Seven with Sheila Cummins. And today I am interviewing Abby Ashley. Abby is the founder of The Virtual Savvy. She helps aspiring virtual assistants launch and grow their own at-home business from scratch. Abby started her own virtual assistant business in 2015 and was able to double the salary from her full-time corporate job, working only 20 hours a week in just 30 days. She's since gone on to grow a multi-seven-figure business and retire her husband All from her at-home business. It's now her passion to help others start their own VA business so they can taste the freedom and flexibility of entrepreneurship as well. If you need a little inspiration or you need a little bit of evidence that you can make this happen, then you don't want to miss today's episode. Abby, thank you for joining us today. And I just for the listeners, this is actually Abby's second time on the road to seven because I managed to do something with the recording from our first audio and I don't know where it went. It just disappeared into the ethernet. So thank you for being such a good sport and coming back for a second try at this interview.
1: Of course, no problem at all. It was so <laughs> fun to talk the first time. I thought we to do it again.
0: Well, it was. And we had such a great conversation. That's why it's like, there was no way I was not going to be getting this interview out there. So Abby, just tell us, you have not always been running a multi-seven figure business that helps other VAs become VAs and run agencies. So tell us how the heck you got this business.
1: It's definitely been a journey. I love the title, The Road to the yeah, because, I mean, there are bumps and challenges and highlights and lowlights all throughout that process. But, you know, my journey started as a virtual assistant. I was looking for a way to make money working from home. I was pregnant with my second child, and a friend actually suggested virtual assistance, and I had never even heard of virtual assistance. I didn't know what it was, but that night, I of course, scoured the internet, as some of us probably have done with different business ventures. And I learned what a virtual assistant was. And and the more I read, the more I thought, I think I could do this. And I am a quick start naturally. So I started calling myself a virtual assistant the next day. And got some business cards, went to some local networking meetings. And I was living in the Washington, D.C. area at that time. This is back in 2015. Once I told people about what I was doing, small business owners, they wanted help with their small business. And so I was able to sell out my services fairly quickly. Now for me, you know, with one child at home and another one on the way, that was about 20 hours a week was completely sold out for me. But then the clients kept coming. And once I had a good client base, they started telling other people about me. And so I was getting these referrals and nowhere for them to go. So I thought, you know, well, why don't I get some of my friends, some other stay-at-home moms that I knew to kind of help me with this? And so I would you know, I had a friend and I knew who could do graphics really well. So she would help me with some of the social media management. My sister knew how to write. I got a couple of different people in to help me with the business. And so I basically was living in this basement apartment in the Washington, D.C. area with one little window running a little agency. And so that's basically how my journey started. And then I went on to develop an online course. And that is what my business is now, is teaching other people how to start virtual businesses. But that came after some time of of running the agency successfully.
0: I love it. And so was your background in sort of executive assistant stuff or in some of the work you were doing, or was this literally, you know, great example of you just saying, yes, let's build the plane as it's flying.
1: Definitely building the plane in the air, I would say. So, I mean, I was somewhat technically savvy. I was a student support specialist for an online university. I was like, try. I couldn't remember what my title was when I worked there. I was a student support specialist for an online university. And so I was familiar with working remotely, familiar with working online, but a lot of the tasks, social media, things like that, I just kind of learned as I went along. I Googled, I YouTube, and I figured out, I, I invested in online courses myself to teach me Different things as I went along and a lot of it was just a client would say, Hey, do you know how to do X, Y, Z? And my magic response was just, Hey, I'm not familiar with that, but I'm a fast learner and I would love to put my hands to it and see what we can do. And so just by working with clients, I was actually able to learn new software and learn new tools as I went along. So no, I wouldn't say that I had a lot of experience doing what I was doing, but a lot of it was I I would be inputting data into Excel spreadsheets or I I would be answering customer service emails and things like that. I, I felt pretty comfortable doing. It was just kind of learning the software to do it with that maybe I needed to improve on. So just kept kept moving forward. I
0: love it. One of the stories that I've heard you tell is is making a big move. And I'll let you tell the story where you reached out to someone who you really admired. Tell us the story. And then I have a couple questions about that.
1: Yeah, of course. I think that was actually a huge turning point in my business. So I had somebody and we probably all have these people, right? If we've discovered this online space, you have like your people, like the people that you're like, oh, I listened to all of their podcasts, right? I've always been watching their YouTube channel. Well, this individual, his name is Brian Harris and had a blog and he just did these amazing blog posts, three, 4,000 word blog posts that were so info packed. And I was just amazed at his business and that knowledge. And so I thought, I want to work for this guy. Like I want him to be my client. Funny enough, he put out a blog post that was basically geared toward freelancers, teaching them how to land really high end clients. So I basically used that blog post to pitch him. (laughs) And what I did is I reached out and I said, I spent about two weeks coming up with a proposal of sorts. I, what I did is I took some of his blog posts and made a little mini online course. So like just so much free value up front, but I wanted to get his attention, right? I wanted to give something of value, not even asking anything in return, And so that's what I did. I sent it to him like, hey, I've been a longtime reader, longtime fan for a while. I decided to take some of your blog posts and turn them into a little online course. You could use it as a freebie. You might not use it at all. I'm not offended if you don't. And I sent it to him. And what happens when you have these massive people with these massive business, I mean, he was running a multi-seven-figure business at this point already. Most of those people have gatekeepers. They have people answering. their they have VAs, right? They have people answering their customer service emails and all of that. And so for me, this was my way to kind of get past that gatekeeper. And that's exactly what happened. So I got an actual email from him saying, We need to talk. And so we got on a call and he kind of said, all right, tell me about what you do. What are your services? I want to know because that was the best proposal I've ever gotten. And you didn't even form it as a proposal. It was just like value, value, value first. So yeah, he ended up hiring me to be his copywriter. I don't think he ever used the course that I sent him, but that was fine because it was worth it. And what was so amazing? Obviously, he was a high end client. He was paying me really well. I was getting to write some of the blogs I had been reading. I got to actually start writing, which blowing my mind. But the best part is that Brian was a course creator. Right? Is a course creator, but he did a lot more courses back then. He's moved a little bit in the software now, and. Brian would do these course launches and make hundreds of thousands of dollars in a week or two. And I literally got to see behind the scenes of that happening. And I got to see what it's like to launch an online course and what a, lot, a live launch looks like. And he also taught list building. So I was able to access a bunch of things on list building. And and just so much of what I learned was from this client. I was getting paid right to work for him, but I was learning so much at the same time. And so that was really a huge turning point for my business because I saw, man, look what can happen with online courses. It was really my first introduction to a behind the scenes look of online courses. And that's where I've said, this is what I want to do. I don't know how, I don't know when, but this is what I'm going to do eventually. And I want to talk about the shift to online course, but a couple,
0: just a couple more questions. And actually, I have two very specific ones. My first question is related to the fact that you went out and found your ideal client instead of sitting back and waiting for people to come to you. And I think that that is such a powerful tool for service-based business owners to really grasp that you don't have to sit there waiting for people to land in your lap. How did you... Well, maybe you didn't have to, but what was sort of the mindset that you had when you were approaching this guy who was sort of that pinnacle that you'd always wanted to work with?
1: How did you get yourself
0: ready to make that big bold move?
1: That's a great question. <laughs> I well, one as far as recognizing your ideal client coming into the online business space, I saw a lot of those like client avatar worksheets, and to be honest, I never really liked them. I mean, felt like they were always very Big and very like, what kind of shoes does your ideal client like? What commercials do they, I don't know, what TV shows do they watch? And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I know people like, I'm like, I want to work with Brian Harris. I want to work with this person. And so what I did, rather than coming up with like, what is my ideal client? I just came up with a dream client list and. That was what I did. And I just put like, I want to work for these people. And every time I'd come across somebody that looked like they were doing cool things, I said, I'm going to put them on my ideal client list, right? Or my, my dream client list. And so I, and that's actually what I teach my students too. We don't do a client avatar worksheet. We literally just make a list of actual names of people because it comes, it gets real then, right? And if you're doing cold outreach, now there's tons of strategies to get clients other than cold outreach. And, and I didn't start with cold outreach, right? I was going to those networking meetings. I was, Networking, some in Facebook groups, things like that. But once I felt good about my services and confident about the work I could do, it was probably about nine months in that I, that I reached out to Brian and it was using his own methodology. And of course I was scared. It was nerve wracking. And, but I just kind of thought, what's the worst that can happen? He can not answer or he could be like, this was lame, which I didn't think he was going to do. And so I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm kind of a go set ready kind of person. Like, let's just, let's do this thing and see what happens. So having fear hold me back wasn't really an option at that point. It was just, let's just do this because worst case scenario really isn't that bad. So what do I have to lose? And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you priced that
0: proposal, And did you have your team at that point or did your team come after that
1: proposal? No, that was I had my team at that point. Really, my team was doing a lot of the regular virtual assistants work like social media, scheduling, writing, blog posts, things like that. For him, I was really pitching my copywriting services, which was what I was exclusively doing at that point. I actually found out I didn't like a lot of the general VA tasks. I'm not the most organized person. So my team was actually better at doing those types of tasks. And I really enjoyed copywriting. And so honestly, I just set an hourly rate and I didn't even send a proposal to him. It was after our conversation. that He said, I want to hire you. What's your rate? And I was like, $60 an hour. And I remember it was so hard to say that, but I'm like, just do it. This is what you committed to. This is what you said you were going to do. And so I said, $60 an hour. He goes, let's do it. 20 hours a week. Let's go. I'm like okay, let's do this thing, right? That's amazing. One of the things that I've noticed
0: when agency owners are pricing, they don't always price it, keeping in mind that they have a team that they have to pay to be able to deliver the service. When you pitched that 60 an hour, was there a breakdown that you had in your mind in terms of how much you were doing or your team was doing? How did you come up with that number?
1: That's a great question. So, and I'll be very honest, what I did at that point is a little different than what I teach people to do now. Because like I said, I mean, I was just figuring it out as I went along. I have had no guide or example of what should have been done. And so I made some mistakes along the way too, right? So at that point, what I was doing is my general BA services were about $35, $40 an hour. And I was completely outsourcing those at about $12 to $15 an hour. And then this $60 hour copywriting, I was doing that all myself. So I didn't outsource any of the work that Brian gave me. And so that's that's how that was working at the time. So I was basically writing and managing the team that was doing all the BA work. And so that was what I did then. What I teach now is a lot more. And so it was all hourly. Honestly, I didn't move into packages at all. And now I teach people, hey, the sooner you can go into packages, the better. And so we teach how to say, okay, I'm going to do five blog posts a month at $500 or whatever, right? Like whatever that ends up being. So yeah, so I I teach things a little differently than I did at the beginning, but I think that's okay because it's all part of the journey, right? Now I usually tell people, no matter what, even if you're doing package-based pricing, it's so good to always know Your hourly rate, how is that going to break down? And so let's say I usually say to have your subcontractors budget about 30 percent, 30 to 33 percent of your total budget for paying subcontractors is what I tell people now.
0: Yeah, that's sort of the same formula that we we put out as well. It's a pretty standard Universal. Yeah. So let's talk about this shift to online courses. Everybody and their dog, you know, thinks they're going to be the next Amy Porterfield, make a couple million dollars per launch, the next James Wedmar be all course-based. And the reality is very few people are able to make that shift. To be able to have the online courses really be a profit center in their business. And for you, it's actually become pretty much your entire business. Tell us how you made that shift. How did you get over that hump of, I have a course, I have my sales page, nobody's buying to having it be a seven figure revenue engine for you.
1: Honestly, for me, and this is what I tell anyone who wants to do an online course. And I'll be really honest. Most people don't listen to me when I tell them this. They don't follow this advice. So I'm going to sell it to you. And if, <laughs> if anybody listening wants to follow it, it works, but it's harder. Okay. So essentially, didn't create an online course first. I didn't create a course and then try to figure out how to sell it. And that's what I feel like most of us do is that we're like, oh, I have this amazing idea for a course. We spend so much time and energy creating this course. And we're like, now I have to find people to buy it. Well, no one's told you they even want it, right? So you're really trying to seek after people to buy something that you're not even sure if they want. and so What I focused on, you know, I had my services. I was making great money. I didn't need the income from an online course at the time. And so what I did in my extra time, I spent that list building. And so I was already blogging. So I started blogging for myself too, right? Using some of the same strategies I was using for Brian. Let me just use these for myself. I had a freebie. I started using Pinterest. Organic Pinterest is how I started building traffic to my blog at that time. And I just slowly started building an email list. And once I got a thousand email subscribers, which took a while. I mean, it took me, I think, eight months, nine months to get a thousand subscribers. So it took a decent amount of time, at least in my, in my eyes to build that. But again, it was just, Hey, let me just slowly do this. Once I got a thousand subscribers, I asked my audience, Hey, what do you want to learn from me? It's funny. Cause at the time I was teaching everything from how to blog to how to do branding to how to do general business marketing. I was teaching a little bit of everything, just kind of whatever I learned, I would teach to other people. And an overwhelming response was, we want to know how you started a virtual assistant business. And I thought, oh, I wasn't even really talking about, but that's apparently what my little audience of a thousand people knew me for. And so I said, all right. So I, even at that point, didn't create my course yet. At that point, what I did is I created a sales page and I said, hey, I'm going to create a course. Here's I laid out all the steps of what it would be to be a virtual assistant and I made those my module titles. Here are the 12 modules that are going to be in this course. I'm eventually going to sell it for 9.97. I'm going to sell it this first round for 4.97 cuz you guys are my founding members and I launched it out and I was said, "Hey, if enough people buy it, I'll build it." You know what I mean? And so and they would build it along with me, right? And so I launched it. It was in December of 2016, which is a terrible time to launch a course. like right before Christmas. Literally, I think my clothes cart was like two days before Christmas. I'm like, what if, why did I do this? But that's what I did. Again, we make mistakes along the way, but 16 people bought. And so I made $8,000 in a week from a list of a thousand people. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let's do this. Right. And so I made like my whole month's income. In a week without really selling anything, right? All I did was build a sales page. And so I took that information and I said, okay, what's going to continue to fuel this? I'm going to build the course, but also, Hey, I need to like keep building an audience. Cause that was, that was one of the main things I learned from watching with Brian. Everything revolved around this email list email list, email list, email list. And even still here at the Virtual Savvy, we're on track to do close to $4 million this year. I think we'll end up between the 3.8 and 4 million. We're, we're still, I'm still shooting for four, but we're going to do a, between that. Our goals next year are 5 million and how we base it all is off of our email list growth because we, we know we can convert a certain percentage of our email list. And so, yeah, so I threw it back into let's, Let's build the list, build the list, build the list. So we, you know, I hired an actual Pinterest manager to come in and, and start doing that. We started a Facebook group to, to generate more leads that way. And there's so many ways to generate leads. We, we could talk through some of those different methods, but I just picked one or two that I thought, Hey, well, I don't really want to learn paid advertising. Let's just pick two organic methods. So I chose Pinterest and a Facebook group and just went all in with those. And that's how we continued to grow the list. So the next launch, was I think like a $40,000 launch. And then the next one was like an 80. And then I, I could go and look at the actual numbers, but they've increased and increased each time. And it's all just been basically a percentage of our email list that we're converting each time.
0: That's amazing. Do you know what I love about what you just said? I didn't want to learn Facebook marketing or paid advertising. So I chose two avenues and I did it really well. (laughs) Yup. And then I hired someone who knows that space to run those two avenues because they know what they're doing. That to me, Abby, is like gold because that's what I think people aren't doing. They're like, oh, I need to do a three video launch. Oh, I need to do this. And I need to run Facebook ads. And oh my gosh, my Facebook ad, just the revenue, the amount I paid in Facebook ads just outweighed the amount I just made on my launch. I lost money. What the heck? Now I've got to deliver this course and I have not a penny to show for it.
1: Yep. And it's so tempting. Like I get it because everybody says like this is the magic bullet. This is the thing that works. And the reality is any of those things can work with enough focus and dedication to them. So I'm all about like, pick a platform. Like, just like pick one, maybe two. Really, I picked two only because I hired the Pinterest manager right away. So I literally, like to this day, I don't really know how to do Pinterest. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to. You just have to be able exactly. to say, as the business owner, I want Pinterest to drive
0: traffic to me. My-
1: exactly. And so I knew how to blog and she would give me ideas for blogs. I'm like, perfect. And so then she would do the Pinterest. I would blog. So all I focused on was blogging and growing that Facebook group. And that was it. And literally, that was it up until like like a year or two ago. I mean, really. And, and the only time that we added new things, like finally... My team is like, Abby, let's get on the Instagram train. And I'm like, okay, let's do Instagram. And so now I have a team that they literally run my entire Instagram. Abby, let's start YouTube. All right, if you guys want to do it. So now we have a YouTube channel, but you know what I do? My involvement in that YouTube channel is once every six months, I block off three days and we record like 30 videos all in three days. And that's it. And they have it all drafted out. They've done the keyword research. They have my scripts. I literally just have to show up and talk for three days straight. It's exhausting. But again, I didn't add those things until there was the ability for someone to focus on it and give it the time and attention. And if that person wasn't me, then I wasn't ready for it. Or if I wasn't ready to hire someone, I wasn't ready. So I think just choosing one avenue and doing it really well and sticking to it, that's hard too. As entrepreneurs, we just, we get bored. I mean. I've gotten bored plenty of times, but the boring thing kind of makes the money sometimes. So you just got to stick with it. And then once you get bored with that, well, hopefully you've generated enough that you can have somebody take over. And they're like, well, now I'll do all the YouTube research. Perfect. Great. Now I only have to do, you know, the filming. What's every six months, which that is really fun. So that's fine. (laughs) From
0: your lips to our listeners ears.
1: (laughs) Honest to goodness. That's amazing. I
0: have actually three questions. The first one is you, you alluded to there being bumps along your journey. What were some of the biggest hurdles that you had to get over? And then how did, how did you get through them or over them?
1: So. One of the things, one of the bumps for sure was once I decided to be an online course creator, the first time I didn't actually do it the way I said. The ask the audience, I did it the other way. So if you've done it the other way, don't feel bad. I did too. I spent like two or three months creating courses, doing all this things, spending all this time, launched my list of not even a thousand people, probably like a hundred or 200 people. It was earlier on in my journey, right? And I launched these courses that nobody bought. I spent months and months and months creating them and no one bought them. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Oh, and I think there was like a copyright infringement on one of them because I, I named my or not copyright, but like a, a trademark. I named one of my courses Passion to Profit, which it's like, yeah, somebody thought of that already. That's trademark tabby. And I didn't even know to check like the trademark USTPO, whatever. <laughs> I didn't even know to check that. Right. Because I was new. I didn't know. And so I was like, well, pulling that course. Good thing. Nobody bought it anyway. So It was one of those things that like I, I did it. I did the wrong thing. We've had other things happen along the way. At one point I was involved in it in just a kind of a legal battle with somebody. It was all based off of a really bad contract. Like I I grabbed a contract off the internet instead of having an actual lawyer create a contract. And now I tell my students, always have a contract, have a good contract. Don't just grab a contract off the internet because somebody came after me because I didn't have a very good contract with them. And so it just, you learn those things along the way and there's those bumps, but you've just got to keep, keep moving. got
0: to keep on going, Ray. I love it. Yeah. Pull the stomachs out, wipe off your chin and away you go. Exactly. <laughs> Two questions before I let you go. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you started?
1: So I think that the emphasis on list building, that would be one. I'm just like, it's never too early to start growing a list. Even if it's slow, it's never too early to start growing a list. I would say action over perfection all day, every day. It's not those who do the journey perfectly that succeed. It's the ones that just keep going. Like literally just keep going. And that doesn't mean that if you're doing something and it's not working, that you keep doing the same thing over and over, but you pivot and you keep moving forward. I see so many business owners that they, something doesn't work the first time. And so they throw in the towel and they start a whole new business and they start from scratch all over again. Right? Like I'm making like a soup and it doesn't taste right. I'm like, oh, this just, this, this isn't working right. So I just throw out the whole thing. No, I add new spices. I try something different and I don't throw out the whole soup. <laughs> so always add salt. <laughs> just, just, just add salt. It'll be fine. <laughs> Unless you have too much salt. And, yeah. <laughs> so like, I think that that's, that's huge. And it's just something that I see people do all the time. And it breaks my heart because I'm just like, this really could have been something really profitable. And either they got discouraged or they got bored. And so they throw it all out. And I'm like, I know so many small business, even successful small business owners, people making ten, twenty thousand dollars 20000 a month in their businesses that they're starting to get bored now. And they're thinking about just starting something different instead. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're so close. Like systematize, systematize, get other people to run the thing. And then that way you can go on and do something else that's fun and new and exciting. But you're so close to having something that Like could run itself and make you money so you can fund all the other ideas that you have. And it's, it's that such a cool, I mean, I'm, I'm there right now. Like we, we've gotten to the point where my main business pretty much runs itself. Like I've got an incredible team. We have 20 full-time team members now. Wow. We're at the virtual savvy and they're amazing. They're better at it than I am to be honest. Like they do their jobs oh, so well, And so now I'm able to finally start a second business, right? But it's, it's been years. It's been years that I've been holding on and saying, nope, not yet. Not yet. It's not time yet. And, and now it's finally time and it's really exciting. Well, you know what's interesting is my next question
0: is tell us what's next for Abby Ashley.
1: Yeah. So I'm so excited. So we created the online course to teach people how to become virtual assistants. Well, now we have tons of people coming to us just because we've gained a little bit of a reputation out there for having great VAs that people want to hire our virtual assistants. And so we are creating a marketplace. We're creating a place for people to hire Virtual says it's creative freelancers and it'll be called Hello Savvy. And we essentially took all of the things that people don't like about the current hiring platforms that are out there. We surveyed about 200 people and we said, what do you not like about those other platforms? I got a lot of similar responses. What would you love to see in a, in a, platform, something that's different, something that's made for you. And we're literally, we're just, we're making what the people want. It's kind of the same thing that I did the right way, at least with creating an online course, except I have an existing audience now, which is nice. And I literally can just ask them, Hey, what do you want? And let me just build what you want. Cause then I know you're going to buy it. And so that's essentially what we're doing is that we're creating a beautiful marketplace. It's going to be A place that is focused on culture and connection, not just a race to the bottom dollar. Our pricing is going to be structured very differently than the other platforms where we're not going to take a percentage of the money that you make as a freelancer. There's going to be a lot of like video implemented into the software. So you can really have like these conversations back and forth with your potential hires. So I'm really excited for it.
0: Good on you. I love how your business has really been built by listening figuring out a problem and then coming up with a solution that really aligns with who you are and what you're about. And I think it's admirable. Abby, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for doing this interview, not once, but twice. Where can people learn and connect with you to hear not just about the virtual Savvy, but also Hello Savvy?
1: Yes, for sure. So the virtualsavvy.com is where you can find everything. We have so much free information even on the site, free trainings, free blog posts, free resources on how to start a virtual assistant business. It's my It's my recommendation to anyone starting out, start with services. It's the quickest way to replace your income is with services. Even if you plan to coach or do a course or anything like that down the line, starting with services is such a great way to get started. And so that is the virtualsavvy.com. And then Hello Savvy is our new freelancing platform. It's just a waitlist right now, but you'll definitely want to be on the waitlist because we send out a lot of good little things. And we're actually, we're involving our subscribers in the process. We're asking them questions. Do you like this better? Do you like this? We're we're inviting them to focus groups. So literally you can help us form Hello Savvy as it is being built. And the plan is to launch that in the end of February, maybe early March 2022. Amazing.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today, Abby. It is. Always a pleasure. You were one of those women who every time we talk, I just want to keep talking. (laughs) I don't want to let you go, but I will let you go today. Thank you for your, your time today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven. To finally match your vision, I love aligning your vision of success with strategic and intentional actions because that is how we will grow your business to match your vision. I focus on women, all women, because women hold the keys and the power to creating a powerful and positive world through their impact. We'll see you on the next episode.